The following podcast is taken from a live broadcast on Inspire FM. Everybody to tonight's edition of Friday Night Live on the 2nd of November 2018. I'm your host, Abdel Akbar, back in the hot seat this week um, from the sunny waters and shores of the Gulf. And joining me in the hot seat tonight is Zafar Saab. Salaam alaikum, Zafar Nice to have you here, Zafar Saab, as well, of course. And you, um, and you I must say, and you. Jazakallah All the way to be with us at Inspire FM. Oh, I, I always pay a visit to Luton when I'm visiting and also pay homage to the show as well. Um, and of course, Hafiz Shaban. I'm sitting in for Hafiz Shaban this week. He's going to be back next week, continuing all the current events. But listeners, we have an action-packed show for you tonight. And don't forget, we are going out to the good people of Luton and surrounding areas tonight and also to the good people of Sheffield, Derby, Peterborough and Nottingham through our partner stations across the nation. So welcome to all of you tuning in from around the UK. Tonight, I don't know if you've heard about this, but there are riots taking place in Pakistan right now. Literally right now, I've got off the line to a bunch of people and they are telling me that there are riots happening right now in Pakistan. It is not safe to travel, for example, from Islamabad to Lahore right now. So if you live in Lahore right now, and you want to travel to Islamabad, people are saying it is not safe. What's going on is the question that should be on your mind right now, and I will talk about that in a second. But also, I want to give you the other top stories that are unfolding tonight as well, which is regarding the Khashoggi merger as well. Um, Apparently, a top Turkish official, who is a presidential advisor, has said he believed that Jamal Khashoggi's body was dissolved in acid after being cut up. Can you believe this? He's saying that Jamal Khashoggi's body was dissolved in acid. Now he's saying the only logical conclusion was that those who had killed the Saudi journalist in Istanbul had destroyed his body to leave no trace behind. This is all on the back of the situation that's been unfolding over the last few weeks. I'm sure many of you have been following this where Jamal Khashoggi, uh, a well-known journalist, Um, actually um, was killed. Uh, First of all, uh, the Saudi authorities denied that he was killed, but now it has been confirmed by the authorities that he was killed. He is now dead, but they are unable to locate his body. And today, tonight, a top Turkish official is basically saying that the you know the uh, body was dissolved in acid. That news is unfolding as we speak right now. Uh, another top story unfolding right now is that the Trump administration is to reinstate all U.S. sanctions on Iran after the 2015 nuclear deal. If you remember. President Obama struck this deal with the Europeans um, a few years ago. Now, the White House is saying that the toughest sanctions regime ever imposed on Iran is going to take place now, and it's targeting Iran's energy, shipping, and banking sectors. Now, however, eight countries won't be penalized for working with Iran and importing Iranian oil. But what people are saying is, why can Saudi Arabia get away with some of its alleged crimes in Yemen and why is Iran being punished? Well, more on that later on in tonight's program, but I do want to go to the topic at heart right now because this is a breaking story in Pakistan right now. Um, It's all to do 
with the situation in Pakistan. We're going to be getting a full analysis on the protests taking place. Now, if you don't know about this, um, you know, after spending eight years on death row, Asia Bibi, who is a Christian, she was acquitted by Pakistan's Supreme Court this week. Now, what's basically happened is that the country's highest court has finally delivered uh, a, 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 a verdict and released this woman whose life was already claimed to be destroyed in solitary confinement. Upon the news of this court decision, chaos has broken out onto the streets of Pakistan. We're going to be learning more about this uh, as we talk about the situation in Pakistan. Um, also coming up later on tonight, we're talking in the marriage theme of this week of Inspire FM. We'll be talking about um, how to find a spouse what we should look for in a spouse and some advice from me as well watch out for those dodgy brothers sisters there's a lot of dodgy brothers out there there's a lot of good brothers there's a lot of dodgy brothers what do i mean by that well that's coming up in an hour's time we'll be learning more about marriage and getting perspectives from our guests around the uk well um, so what's your take on what's happening in Pakistan right now? Lots of rioting, the blasphemy situation looks horrible. We're going to go to Muhammad Atif from Voice of America and also um, Dr. Shahid Latif as well in the US, in, in Pakistan, live from Pakistan in a moment. But Zahra what's your take? Well, I think the latest situation is that uh, um, the, shall we say, the rioters or the people who are out in the streets have come to an agreement with the government. Yeah. So they've signed an agreement, which, which, uh, from what I understand, means the 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 there will be an appeal, right, by the appellant, um, and there's going to be an apology, right, from the people who are writing. This is a five-point thing, which is on the internet. Um, but to be honest, I think um, this is another episode, I guess, regardless of of whether the judgment was right or wrong. And I think that that's a that's a matter for people who are. Who are uh, jurists and people who are learned, etc. Yeah. Um, but the shenanigans of the past couple of days are so uh, embarrassing, really, because you know, it's it's you know people out there destroying property. Uh, even there's a video uh, circulated where somebody was actually shot as well. Oh my whether, god! Whether it's recent or not, but two people shot. One died, and, and one was injured. All right. Let me let me go to Muhammad Atif, who's on the line from Voice of America. Assalamualaikum, Muhammad Atif Saab. Good to hear from you. Thank you. Waalaikum assalam. Uh, how are you doing? Uh, first of all, I want to ask you, uh, Muhammad Atif, what's your analysis on what's happening in Pakistan right now? And do we see this situation getting worse? Um, I don't think the situation is going to get worse because, one, the government has uh, signed a deal with uh, Tariq al uh, So the protests uh, all over the country by Tariq al and its supporters will come to an end. Uh, and uh, for Malana Samuel Haq, because he was known as a person who always wanted, uh, uh, you know, uh, who was sweet, who, who would not argue with his opponents, and, you know, the way we've been hearing religious leaders and political leaders, uh, the way they've been asking, uh, you know, everybody in his party, in his uh, madaris and other religious elements to stay calm. Uh, I don't think situation, as far as... Uh, um, you know, law and order situation is concerned. I don't think that's going to get worse. Mm. Uh, but I, I, I think um, signing a deal with uh, Terry Killer back, in which the government has 
accepted that they'll put RCRDB's name on uh, ECL. The government has taken. What does that mean? What's the, what's the ECL? Uh, exit control list. Okay. Uh, that was the demand from uh, the party, Terry Kilabak, and its leadership that uh, although the Supreme Court has declared uh, Asia Bibi a free person, but they were insisting that the government should put her name on exit control list so mm. she could not fly overseas. Um, I think the government had no other choice um, but to sign this deal with them because. Uh, for three days, the media, although has not been reporting all those uh, uh, events that have been taking place uh, in Punjab and actually all, all, all over the country, yeah. but uh, we've seen footage, messages, pictures on social media, yeah. um, and Voice of America has reported a lot on it, um, that you know there was, there was a lot of chaos. Um, um, the main highway that connects Islamabad to Rawalpindi is being blocked for three days. Mm-hmm. Uh, public and private schools have been shut down for three days. Wow! And so after this Maulana Samuel Haq assassination, uh, things uh, could have gotten worse. So I think the government had no other uh, choice but to uh, reach a a deal with Tariq Labak. Okay, Mohammed, um, just hold the line there because I want to go to Shahid Latif, who's on the line as well, live from Pakistan. Salam, come Shahid Sab. Yes, Waalaikumsalam. Thanks for joining us tonight, uh, live from Pakistan. Uh, Shahid Sab, what's your analysis on what's happening? in um, this blasphemy situation in Pakistan right now. A lot of people around the world, um, especially people from the Muslim community, looking at Pakistan and wondering what's the motive behind this? Is this political? Uh, Do people actually care about this Christian woman, Asia Bibi, who allegedly made these comments? Um, What's your analysis? Well, unfortunately, uh, something like this uh, happening uh, reflects... uh, how ignorant most people are, and on petty matters, uh, they really create a hype. For example, uh, in this case, if we had taken it positively, uh, one should have felt a sigh of relief that when the Supreme Court says that this was not a blasphemy, so uh, people should have uh, just felt happy about it, that uh, when we have such uh, feelings in our heart uh, that a blasphemous act would obviously annoy people, and if this act has not been committed, and Supreme Court is the highest place uh, for providing justice. So we should have had faith, and uh, had we uh, recognized it and said that if the Supreme Court has said it, it is after a very detailed analysis and a long inquiry. I mean, this matter is almost eight, nine years old. So during this whole period, Uh, Although uh, from the lower courts and even up to high court, uh, you know, the lady had been convicted. But after that, when the Supreme Court has given a decision, uh, it should have been taken in that sense. Indeed. indeed. Unfortunately, uh, this is an act of extremism. Mm -hmm. And there are people who are involved, uh, you know, in uh, in such an activity. Mm. And uh, so it is one of those parties, uh, you know, Tariq al-Labak, uh, that was leading this uh, this protest, and it ended up into riots. But the good thing is, at the end of the day, uh, the government has uh, made a smart move, and uh, after two days of these riots, uh, they have signed an agreement, and uh, perhaps this is now over. Uh, and uh, in that agreement, uh, they have accepted that if there is an appeal mm. uh, by the appellant, uh, that this whole matter needs to be reviewed, 
uh, let it be reviewed. They will not oppose it. So apparently, uh, it, it seems to me uh, that this crisis is nearly over, but the last two days have been bad. Very bad, very bad. In the bad. sense that, you know, uh, uh, like you said that, the whole world was looking at us. Yes. Bilkul, Bilkul, absolutely. Um, so, Adatif, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I want to ask you another question, which is, I mean, the cleric yes. Afzal Qadri, who has been the main kind of um, speaker regarding this situation, he actually urged supporters of Tariq el to actually kill the three judges who acquitted Miss Bibi. I mean, what's your take there? I mean, what's he trying to achieve? Is he trying to get political gain by or influence in the Imran Khan government? Or is he just trying to cause chaos um, in, in some other way? What, what can be the logic behind this? Look, uh, as you know, this party is already uh, a political party. So Tahrik al-Labak uh, got a lot of votes. Although they joined in uh, very late in the last election uh, campaign, uh, but uh, they got a fairly uh, sizable uh, number of votes uh, in the last elections. Mm-hmm. So perhaps... Uh, there is an element uh, to kind of uh, uh, gain more popularity on the political front. And along with that, we believe that that there are forces both in and out of the country uh, that uh, might have kind of prompted them uh, to get into this action. Mm-hmm. As we all know, the government is new. It has hardly been two months that this government has been in place. And to kind of uproot the government, create difficulty for the government, uh, might have been the ulterior motive behind it. So I think uh, both of these are kind of mixed in the attempt that they have made. And uh, But like I said, that now there is an agreement there. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, this won't be allowed to proceed any further. So it's been a smart move by the government. Uh, rather than use force or, you know, aggravate the crisis, I think they have made an intelligent move. And, and it has paid off. Thank you for that. Um, Mohammed Atif Saab from Voice of America, what's your analysis on Imran Khan's handling of the situation? You could argue this is probably his first major crisis since taking office um, recently. Um, how would you kind of rate his, his, his handling of the situation? Well, initially when he came on national TV right after uh, the decision, I mean, not right after the decision, but when we saw that protests were uh, um, being uh, recorded all over the country by uh, Terry Gillipak, I think his address was very powerful. I think when he said, uh, do not uh, test the writ of the government, that was a very strong message uh, to all the protesters, and he made sure that uh, uh, it's the court that has reached this decision, and the court did the due process. Um, he said again and again that uh, the judgment was according to the laws of Pakistan, according to the Constitution of Pakistan, and he said that you know the Constitution of Pakistan is the Islamic Constitution. So I think it was a very strong message to all those elements. Uh, but I think uh, he got a little unlucky when uh, uh, parties in the opposition tried to play this. Um, and also, you rightly said that this is uh, probably the biggest, first biggest crisis in his government, I am hoping that he would cut short his uh, trip to China. He would come back because at this point, I think he needs to be here. He needs to uh, lead the efforts to bring everything to normal. Agreed, agreed. Okay, well, Muhammad Atif Saab and Shahid Latif Saab, Jazakallah Khair for joining us. We really appreciate your time on Friday Night Live and Inspire FM and sharing your very, very important perspectives. Thank you so much, gentlemen.
Uh, listeners, Pleasure. this you. is Pleasure. Friday Night Live. Um, we've been talking about the blasphemy law situation in Pakistan. We've been hearing from top journalists in and around the country on their analysis of the situation. We're about to go to Sheikh Abdul Majid, Dr. Abdul Majid, um, to get the Islamic angle. This is important because when we talk about blasphemy, we're talking about somebody saying something blasphemous against who? Against the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So we need to understand exactly what the deal is there. Are these reactions from the people justified? Are they Islamic? Um, how should we? What's the proper way of dealing with this situation? Um, Sheikh Abdul Majid coming up in a moment. This is Friday Night Live with me, Abdul Akbar, sitting in for Hafiz Shaban. We've also got um, Zafar Iqbal. Zafar Iqbal, any thoughts from what you've heard so far? Yeah, I think the assessment has been pretty accurate, uh, although I would say um, the government probably did the right thing, but all they've done is deferred the problem till next time, because these guys, these nutters, I would say, are going to be back again when the next issue arises. So I think Pakistan's had waves of issues. They've, they've dealt with the MQM extremists, they've dealt with extremists from, from another branch of Islam, and I think the the forces need to turn attention to these and I think deal with them so that this doesn't happen next time. Okay, Jazakallah khair for that. We're going to be going to Dr. Abdul Majid in a moment, but I do want to also remind you that in about um, 40 minutes time we'll be talking about marriage. And this is, brothers and sisters, a discussion about marriage that you've probably not heard before. Okay, so if you're sensitive to difficult conversations, you don't want to hear um, this show in 40 minutes time because I am going to be asking some very tough questions to some Muslim psychotherapists, to experts on marriage um, and also what are the right ingredients to make a successful marriage. Yeah, absolutely, we're going to be talking about that but we're also going to be talking about the brothers who are really abusing the virtues of marriage as well. Yes, that's right. People who are taking the situation with marriage for granted and not respecting the women that they are marrying. What am I talking about? Tune in in 40 minutes time to find out. But right now, let's go straight back to Sheikh Abdul Majid. Salam alaikum, Sheikh. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. MashaAllah. How are you, Sheikh? Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. So Sheikh and I, mashallah, we are very well acquainted with each other. So Sheikh, I'm going to go straight to the topic at hand, which is the situation in Pakistan right now. Sheikh, what's your interpretation of what's happening? But also, what is the correct way we should handle um, this type of situation? Bismillah. Okay. Alhamdulillah. Uh, Beta uh, Abdul Akbar, I request you to give me enough time because I'm very sensitive about this subject and I want to give, you know, some of my important Gigi. points to this subject, inshallah. Gigi, bismillah. Number one, number one, my respect to Prophet Muhammad sallam, is that if I have to give my life for him, it will be an honor for me. But it won't be any honor for me to take the life of somebody who does not want to accept Islam or does not want to take, you know, Shahada and believe in Prophet Muhammad. But my life for him is an honor for me to even if I die for him, uh, for, you know, his life, inshallah. Mm -hmm. This is one point. So I'm totally disagreeing if somebody wants to kill somebody who is insulting Prophet Muhammad. This is my second point. The third point is that Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa was one of those prophets 
right from Prophet Nuh who have been abused and been, you know, critically uh, criticized. Even some of the people they call Prophet Muhammad during his lifetime face to face that he is Majnoon, which is a mad person. They also called him Sahir. They also call, gave him, you know, different titles. They also called him as Kafir. Also, they called him Liar. And at the same time, Prophet Muhammad used to be with the great Sahaba, very strong Sahaba, and they, he never told them that destroy this guy or kill him or break his mouth or he should not be allowed to do that or this. Instead, in Tabuk, you know that he was stoned to, you know, bleeding in a way that he fainted, but he didn't, didn't use his hands against them. When he came to Mecca, from Mecca to Medina, the Mecca was still the house of Allah, and it was surrounded by 360 gods, and the mushrikeen, the pagans, idol worshippers were worshipping there. And when Prophet came to Medina, in second year, the Battle of Badr took place, and Islam became victorious, and Muslim became very powerful. And later on, many other battles were won by Prophet and Rasul with the strong army, with the Sahaba. He could, could have done so many things to the people of Mecca if he wanted to force the Islam by force. Mm. But till 20 years of his uh, prophecy, uh, he didn't do any force upon anybody to accept Islam or anybody wants to leave Islam. He didn't do anything like that. Mm -hmm. And when he conquered Mecca without bloodshedding, he conquered Mecca and mashallah he has forgiven even those people who has killed the Sahaba and one of the beloved prophet's uncle, uh, Amir Hamza, his liver was been chewed by an enemy of Islam and Rasulullah also forgave them. This is, this is Islam and Rasulullah could have done, you know, very bad to them, but he didn't do that. And if we really say that we love Rasulullah and we can die for Rasulullah, then this is the example that we should even follow, uh, you know, take his example in our lifetime here. That if somebody is abusing Rasulullah, then that is a lack of knowledge, lack of misunderstanding. And it could be a political issue. It could be something, you know, just to hurt the feelings of the Muslims. But that does not mean that we have to take, you know, the law in our hand or we should, you know, uh, start killing or abusing and, mm. uh, you know, uh, imposing our things into the... As I said, that if I have to die for Prophet Muhammad, I'll be, you know, it will be an honor for me. But it will not be an honor for me to kill somebody who is not accepting Prophet Muhammad as a messenger. Okay, it's his deen. It's his religion to him, and my religion is to me. And Allah SWT has already said, in Surah Al-Baqarah, chapter 2 and verse 256. So we don't have to force anybody. And these verses are still valid where Allah says, Your deeds to you and our deeds to us. Your religion to you and our religion to us. These verses are not expired. These verses are, you know, examples for us that there is no force in our religion. And we should not forgive that, that Prophet Muhammad you know, uh, we should not forget this, that Rasul was amongst those sahab, was amongst those prophets and messengers who were, you know, gone through all this hardship in, in their lifetime, but they did not take any personal revenge. So this is my opinion that, alhamdulillah, Rasulullah and I'll give you one hadith from Sahih Bukhari. There was a man, 
he was Christian, he became Muslim, then he became Hafiz of the Quran, at that time the portion, whatever the portion was revealed, he was even writing the Wahi that was revealed to Rasul and he became as an Muslim of the Masjid al-Nabawi, and he used to give Adhan, and later on he became you know, apostated from Islam, Masha'ala. and Rasulullah did not kill him, mm. or did not even tell Sahaba to do that. SubhanAllah. So, Sheikh, for me, he's the best example. We're running out, we're running out of time, Sheikh, um, but I, I know you wanted to make your point, and SubhanAllah, you have made your point, and unfortunately, we have run out of time for this segment. But Sheikh, um, your direction and the evidences that you've given are crystal clear to me, and I'm sure they are to the viewers as well, that ultimately, it sounds Sounds like that the direction that these people are going down in Pakistan, i.e., calling for violence, calling for the killing of this woman, regardless of what she has said, is not something that comes out of our deen, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, yes. subhanAllah. Yes. Sheikh Abdul Majid, Jazakallah for your time. Really appreciate it. I, I think qu- qu- quickly, uh, having said that, that, that doesn't, shouldn't mean mm. that we should give license to people to say anything they want to the Prophet. No, right? no, no, never. They need to be taken never. to task. No way. No if way. they do, and yes. I think you've seen the judgment in the, the European court after, after sort of. But what Sheikh is saying is people should not take the law into their own hands. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, you that, can't, that, that's agreed on, yes. You can't, like, say, okay, we're going to, as a village, elders are going to get together and kill this person or whatever, yeah. God forbid. Yeah, sure. um, they have to go through due process, and this is what Sheikh is saying. Sheikh, Jazakallah for your time. Listeners, this is Friday Night Live. There's a lot more to come in the next 60 to 90 minutes. Stay tuned. We're going to be right back after these messages. No father can give his children a better gift than good manners. Reported by Tirmidhi. Asalaamu Alaikum, welcome back to part two of tonight's edition of Friday Night Live with me, Abdul Akbar, sitting in for Hafiz Shaban. It is the 2nd of November 2018, and we are beaming out to the good people of Luton and surrounding area tonight, and also to the good people of Sheffield, Nottingham, Derby, and Peterborough. So, welcome to everyone tuning into this program. Yes, we are having an action packed show. Our rights in Pakistan are happening still as we speak in Lahore, but the latest news from our analysts, if you were listening to the last 25 minutes of the program, is that a deal has been struck where um, the government has agreed to put um, the woman in question regarding the blasphemy situation onto an exit control list. That's an ECL, which basically means she can't leave the country. And this is where they have settled. So it looks like hopefully um, the violence that we've seen in Lahore and surrounding areas will subside over the coming days. Um, We've heard from our analysts saying that Imran Khan, this has been his first major test as Pakistani Premier, and he's done a pretty good job, is what I've been hearing from my guests thus far. Of course, many people coming out saying no one should come out. We'll never accept anyone saying anything negative about the Prophet Muhammad wasallam. But then what extents are people willing to go to? Um, should they take the law into their own hands? And what we've heard from Sheikh Abdul Majid is absolutely not. You let law take its course and you respect the verdict. And hopefully that verdict is something that the people are willing to accept. That's why we have law and order. We have law and order in this country, um, even though it's not a Muslim country, we have to respect the law and order by because we're choosing to live in this country. And we have to obey the rules. 
that's the situation that's the decision we've made so we and those who are living in Pakistan have to obey the rules of the Pakistani courts so if they take the law into their own hands and start to implement their own interpretations of the law unfounded sometimes then that's a recipe for chaos violence and disaster that's not a civilized society that is nothing compared to um, what we are seeing right now. Anyway, listeners, we're going to move on to our second topic tonight because it's a very important one. And don't forget, in about half an hour's time, we are going to go on to our marriage special. Yes, it's been a marriage special all week here on Inspire FM. And I'm sure you've been tuning into the programs and listening attentively. Trust me. You're going to want to listen to the next quarter of half an hour's time because, boy, we're going to be opening up the Pandora's box of marriage. (laughs) Probably people laughing, saying, yep, marriage is a Pandora's box indeed. But there are many benefits there as well. And maybe some would argue um, some challenges as well. Anyway, I want to go into our next topic because it's about Tariq Ramadan and this chap. um, You know, you know, it it is the biggest repercussion of the Me Too movement (coughs) in France where um, an influential Swiss-born academic, Darek Ramadan, he's a professor of contemporary Islamic studies at Oxford University. He spent the past nine months um, on Ramadan in prison after two French women accused him of raping them in hotel rooms in Paris and Lyon. Can you believe that? Now, Tariq Ramadan denies rape, but the women stand by the allegations. But in recent weeks, the case has increasingly played out in the public arena. Supporters of the well-known academic who have spoken out against restrictions on the Muslim headscarf in France say the justice system there is biased against him and biased, what they're alleging, is biased against Muslims as well. Now, they they say that the 56-year-old father of four is the victim of a conspiracy, has not been given due process and should not be remanded in custody where he is being treated for multiple sclerosis in a hospital wing. Very complex situation. Now, before I go on to an expert um, who's very kindly agreed to join us, um, he is, of course, uh, we, ha- we do have an expert on the line. Are you all right, Zafir Saab? You're coughing a lot lately. Um, not not uh, all all right, if you see what I mean. So, no, not very well. All right. Well, what's your but I'm, I'm here to support you, inshallah. What's your take on these claims coming up against um, quite, um, you don't know, I, quite you know, famous I, Muslims? I, I, well, in this particular case... Naman Ali Khan was another one that came, comes to mind yes, as well. Yes, Naman Ali Khan. But this is yeah. a lot more serious. This is talking about... Naman Ali Khan was... Wasn't rape. W- wasn't rape. Yeah. It was flirting and it was basically... Allegedly flirting, Not in the Islamic spirit. Yeah, yeah. But this is serious. Stretching is, things a bit. We're going to come on to stuff like that. Yeah, and but this, is, this is rape. This is talking about actual zina. Yeah. Right? yeah and, and adultery. Adultery. Ooh. Right. And uh, I, I don't know whether to believe the reports or not, yeah. right? but from what I've, what I've read from, from The Guardian, etc., yeah. is that he's actually admitted to some of them. Yeah. And, and like... Oh, like, oh. Uh, oh. Uh, well, like, like Norman, yeah. his defense is that um, it was consensual, right? Okay. That to me is no defense because you know it's zina at the end of the day. Yeah. Right. You know, yeah. Uh, whether it's consensual or not, right? It's outside of the marriage. Yeah. But uh, yeah. 
So, so that, I had huge respect for Tariq Ramadan. Yeah, I mean, um, let's be careful uh, what we say here. So, um, let, we, I mean, this is all reported. So he 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 denies all these allegations. According, um, according, yeah, according to uh, no, yeah. according to to the Guardian, yeah. he's actually admitted, yeah, right, that in in at least a couple of cases, right, that it was consensual. Yeah, but I mean, right. according to the two that we've mentioned in the, the, the French cases. He, he is denying these allegations. Um, what, what Ramadan's defense have said is they found text messages sent by yeah. one of the women to yeah. him, which were of an explicit nature, yeah. um, which was indicating that she was consenting um, these types of activities. And um, I, I'm being careful what I say here because I, I know there's young people listening. Um, but I do want to go onto the line to... Well, I, I think... I, yeah. I might have misread, yeah, right, but yeah. I read the same article in, mm, in there. Mm. I think it's, I think the defense team is is accepting it. But anyway, mm. uh, Allah knows best. But but having said all of that, yes, yeah, I have to say that his treatment has been appalling. Yes, the the way he's been treated, the way he's well, is it? Here's the question. Well, he's been incarcerated, right? Well, he's been incarcerated, but he might be guilty. Well, t- to be honest, it, what, what, it might be guilty. We don't know that. Might, been, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yet, so yeah. so innocent until proven guilty. Yeah. So he's he's been. Well, he's been basically held in remand for eight months yeah, well, we while might, the investigations well, he, carry on. He could be a Jimmy Savile. We're not saying he is. I'm just saying as an example. But, but Jimmy, Jimmy Savile, yeah. uh, I'm not sure what his circumstances were, but I'm sure he wasn't in prison while they investigated his... Uh, well, that's a good exactly. point. That's a good point. Well, <laughs> let me go on to somebody who knows a lot more about these types of cases. He's not familiar, I, I believe, um, with this specific case, but he provides advice and representation in a wide range of serious and complex cases. Um, he provides briefings and training on advocacy, law and procedure. Um, he's He specialises in criminal law as well and miscarriages of justice. He is David Maloney. Good evening, David. Good, good evening. Thank, Thanks, you so, thank you for having me on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. You're live on the radio. We're going out to the good people of Luton, Sheffield, Derby, Peterborough, Peterborough and Nottingham, if I can say my words correctly. Um, know the areas Know the areas well. Great. I was in Sheffield University oh. in the 1990s. And, um, Wonderful. Uh, I practiced in Luton before as well. Fantastic. So, David, help me out here for a second. So, here we are with a chap. Um, very prominent professor. This guy could be argued as one of the the, the elite class professors um, of Islamic studies in the country. I don't know why I'm saying Islamic. Islamic studies in the country. Um, and now there are women coming out who are basically saying, this chap has um, been inappropriate with us. He has raped us and it was not consensual. So help me out. If, if in, 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 the, in, the, in the case of law in the United Kingdom, um, if that happens, so let's say we have a chap called um, John and um, a couple of women, you know, allege that they were raped by John. What happens? What, what, what's, what's the due process in, in, in this type of situation? Yeah, well, well the, the, the important thing there is what you said is due, due process. I, I actually don't know much about the, the, the case that you've mentioned. I've mm-hmm. listened with some interest and i'll probably look it up after after the show but it's really really important that um you know when someone's name gets in the media and when there's a trial <laughs> that everybody lets justice take its course mm-hmm. and as your last caller said innocence until prudence i won't comment on that particular um case but let's just take the hypothetical case of of john and um, if there's a report of a crime any crime uh, to the police uh, in this country, 
then that crime uh, must be investigated. And obviously a complaint of, a, of rape or a, uh, another serious sexual offence is a very serious allegation and one would expect the uh, police to investigate that offence. And mm. usually um, with something so serious, that would be via an arrest and the person would be arrested. But in some cases, they can be invited uh, to the police station to talk to the police uh, and they're usually uh, interviewed um, and the allegations are put to them uh, in an interview to take recorded in a police station. Uh, and once that... Um, interview takes place, somebody's interviewed under caution, mm-hmm. so they've got the right to silence, they don't have to speak to the, to the police, but if they don't speak, uh, there may be circumstances where there can be inferences drawn at court, and if they do speak, then, you know, what's said is tape recorded and can be played to the court if it goes that far. Mm. And so there's investigations where, where the police are, will, will interview. And on, on the, uh, the complainant side of the fence, um, she, it's usually uh, a she, um, that the, um, she will also be interviewed, that's a video taped interview, so she gives her full accounts. Uh, and then other things are looked at in the course of an investigation, such as the forensics um, side of matters and looking yeah. at those sorts of side of the equation or any other witnesses to it. In rape-type cases, it's usually the most part um, allegations. There are very few witnesses uh, to what, what goes on. Usually it's one person's word um, against another. So they're very difficult cases to investigate uh, and to look at for, for all sides, for both the accused uh, and the, uh, the accuser. But that's how it, how it starts off. And, um, and then um, if there's a file that uh, the police put together and they think there's enough evidence there, that they'll pass a file to the Crown Prosecution Service, who are separate to the police, mm-hmm. And um, they will look at um, whether there's a realistic prospect of conviction. Mm-hmm. Um, you put that in percentage terms, a 51% chance, putting those sort of terms, a realistic prospect of conviction. And they'll look at that. And, um, and if there is a realistic prospect of conviction, they will charge the person. They then be appear before the magistrate's wow. court on custody or mm. on bail. Uh, There's a lot of process, <laughs> it sounds like. And then goes to the Crown Court. Yeah. And, um, uh, obviously, there's representation on both sides, the uh, defence and the uh, prosecution. So these things are very, very complex. Yeah, um, yeah, sure. So uh, from I, start to finish, uh, it, the, 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 it doesn't take days. This can take months and months, depending on whether somebody's on custody or, or yeah. in bail. Mm. And obviously, some investigations, not only going for months, but can take place over over a longer time, over a period of a year or, or years even, depending on the nature of the allegations. This is huge. I mean, I mean, David, in, in this regard, um, of course, we know that Tariq Ramadan, and as, as my colleague um, Zafar was just saying, that in, in this case, um, he is saying that the allegations that these women are making, that, that he raped them, um, he, he's actually saying it was consensual, and he's saying that text messages on his handset uh, actually prove that they were consensual in terms of the language that was being used. It was being it was very suggestive from from those women. Um, you know, this is a, a huge invasion on somebody's private life as well. Um, what kind of protections are there for 
the the men and the women involved in, in these situations. For example, if John, in my, in my hypothetical scenario, w- was innocent and somebody did come out and, and claim that um, he had raped her, then frankly, John's character and integrity is gone out the window. Well, it, it's it's very important again. Um, not to talk about uh, the live case. Mm. I think the integrity of that case, um, it's what we call subjudice. Okay. So it's, it's, a, it's a case that's going on, mm. as, I, as I understand it. So it's very important not to talk about sort of hypothetically yeah, yeah. When, John. When, when complaints are, are, are made. Mm. Uh, and obviously, as your previous caller said, innocence and, until uh, proven guilty. Mm. Uh, and, um, you know, it's a, uh, it's a very high burden on the prosecution to prove this case, you must be sure the jury are told, or to put it another way, um, to be satisfied beyond a reasonable doubt before they returned a verdict of guilty. So there's a very high uh, burden and standard of proof uh, on the prosecution uh, in these cases. Of course, um, if allegations are made, they must be um, investigated. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, the facts about these cases can vary quite widely. You can have um, sexual assaults where literally cases I've dealt with whereby young women um, have been dragged from the street uh, into a Parkland area. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can have um, cases where um, similar sort of situations to the cases you're describing, whereby mm-hmm. um, couples are, are meeting uh, in situations where they're alone, in seemingly consensual situations, and then one party makes a complaint. So there's that sort of scenario. So the circumstances have varied so widely within it, without sort of getting down to particular examples. But on, on both sides um, um, of the equation, both the prosecution and the defence, it's, yeah. um, it's really, really important the prosecution get their facts straight, uh, and, you know, look at everything, all aspects of the case before making a decision to charge. And there have been some examples which um, I think your question touches upon yeah. um, earlier on this year, um, at the turn of the year, um, whereby um, a young man, Mr. Allen, um, was investigated for um, rape. He was put on trial mm-hmm. and um, at a very late stage, actually during the trial, um, uh, phone evidence was looked at, which in his case um, uh, proved um, his innocence and the um, prosecution uh, dropped, dropped the case. And now as a result of that case, um, I know that phones are looked at very closely and digital um, uh, uh, equipment's looked at very, very closely. And I think the Director of Public Prosecutions, mm-hmm. Alison Staunders, has just stepped down um, she was talking recently about the resources that are required to do this. So allegations are taken seriously, um, but um, allegations, those who make the allegations, um, their mm. complaints are, are, are looked at very fairly and very uh, openly yeah. uh, with an open mind, and all aspects are, 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 look, are looked at. Fantastic. Well, um, David Malone, uh, expert in, in cases such as this, I really appreciate your time um, sharing the, the new process that you've talked about. Uh, it does sound like it's a, it's a very, very complex um, type of situation, um, and it sounds like there's a lot of steps that need to be um, 
kind of you no, need to go through. Yeah. It's a very, very common situation mm. in the Crown Court at the moment. Over 50% mm. of contested matters are involving allegations of um, sexual of a sexual nature. Wow. That's how commonplace it is. Oh, and so it's... Um, I don't know whether the public are really aware of this at the moment, but there's a real uh, epidemic of um, of this sort of crime at the moment. Amazing. Well, there you go. David Malone, we really appreciate your time on Friday Night Live. Thank you very much, sir. Have a great weekend. An absolute pleasure. Cheers. Goodbye. Thank you. Good night. Listeners, this is Friday Night Live. Um, you are tuned into 105.1 FM. And also, if you are th- tuning in through our partner stations across the nation, welcome to you as well. Uh, we are talking about... We, we, we were just talking about the Darek Ramadan case. Zafrasop. Very complicated. I mean, this chap, and I'm, I'm going to be frank here, this chap, and I'm not talking about the case here, but I'm saying... These are Muslim scholars. Scholars. These are people that men and women look up to for guidance. Yep. What the hell are they doing? Like, if they, and if the quotes are true, and the quotes that you are referring to in the Guardian newspaper, if Tariq Ramadan is saying that these were consensual, and he did not want to <laughs> say that these things happened because he, he didn't want it to not, affect not all, his private not all life. Of them. Some of them, yeah. Some of them, yeah. Um, my God, that's scary. Now, if our that, scholars, that is, that is scary. But, but I think, well, oh God, I, I think emphasizing the word men. You said men. Well, yeah, it is mostly the, men, right? No, no, but in, sisters, in a, is it? No, but I'm saying in a sense that yeah. human beings, yeah, right, people who are fallible. But these right. are men with Islam. Yeah, well, who have studied the Quran. Sh- shaitan works extra hard on them. Allegedly, quote unquote, the Hadith of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, who have understood the claim, who have passed examinations. I and mean, these this are is stars. Why, this oh is my why, God. This is why. Yeah. It's incumbent on people Jeez. to look after themselves. Well, right? it's incumbent on us to hold them accountable. Uh, true. And, you know, true, it's true, in, and true, it's incumbent on them if you, to if you raise somebody, If you raise somebody above the parapet, yeah. right, they assume certain powers. And if you give them those certain powers, they will abuse them. You, That's know the human excuse, you know the excuse I will never buy from these people? I'm not yeah. talking about Dalek Ramadan here, I'm just talking generally. Yeah. They say, well, if you're a student of knowledge or you're a person of knowledge, the shaitan will work harder on you. Yeah. Congratulations, brother. That's correct. But that's the commitment you make. If you cross the line of sin and haram, that's down to you. Mm. Yeah, the shaitan <laughs> will work on you. The shaitan will put temptation in your way. Yes. But then that's your test. That's what you've signed up for. And will you be successful or not? I mean, the Noman Ali Khan allegations, the Tariq Ramadan allegations, these are prominent Muslims. These are people that we look up to. They're not alone. Unacceptable in my book. They're not alone. They're not alone. And lo- loads and loads of cases. That's what I'm saying. Mal- so imagine these smaller Mal- Mal- Malvies, Malvies caught in masjids. Yeah. There've been cases where, where big, you know, pe- yeah. people, people who are highly regarded yeah. as 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 Olia or Bees and whatever, yeah. caught doing, you know, the, this kind of stuff. But the, the key message is and that these the are end, a tiny minority. Let's be clear. Oh yeah, absolutely. Tiny oh my minority. God. Yeah, absolutely. I, I really yeah, yeah. want I want this absolutely. to go out yeah. to everyone. Like, I'm not saying, and we're not absolutely not saying there are some the vast, vast, vast majority of the ustads out there, the imams out there, um, the shayuk out there, they are the best, they are amazing examples, but it really upsets me to see 
that there are those whose names we are familiar with are also guilty potentially of some of these horrendous crimes against yeah, women. And I think it's incumbent on yeah. everybody mm. right, to remember that they're humans at the end of the day All right. and keep on guard. Absolutely. Right? absolutely. And, and I think the, the message the message is pristine, yeah. but the people who deliver it now oh, absolutely. are not, not always going to be pristine. Yeah, right? that's, that's, that's deeply disturbing, <laughs> but I hear you. Uh, I'm going to let you take some uh, water for now whilst your cough recovers, but uh, let's move on to our next topic, and don't forget in about 10 minutes' time we're going on to our marriage topic. We'll be talking to Ramiz Ibrahim, who is a Muslim psychotherapist, on this topic, and also Dr. Amra Bone, who is a lecturer on Islam and education. She's also a judge on the Birmingham Council. Uh, she's the female trustee of the Sharia Council in Birmingham. We'll be talking to her as well. Um, but uh, I'm sure you heard the tragic news um, of the shootings that took place in the Pittsburgh Synagogue in the U.S. Um, on Monday, um, it was horrible. Where eleven people were fatally shot on Saturday. Correction. Uh, several groups, however, including two Muslim organisations, have helped raise money for the victims. There were two Muslim organisations. They helped raise nearly two hundred thousand dollars to help the victims and their families following the massacre <coughs> at the Tree of Life Synagogue in Pittsburgh on Saturday. Um, joining us on the line is one such representative. He is Safdar uh, Khwaja. He's the vice chair um, at CARE, the Pittsburgh uh, Board of Directors. Salaam alaikum, Safdar Saab. Salaam Good to be with you. Thank you so much for joining us. You are live on the radio. Lots of people listening to us right now. Safdar Saab, tell us, um, this is amazing. This is a real role model story of Muslims supporting other community um, faith group members. Tell us, what has been the reaction for this amazing gesture and what drove this? The uh, reaction has been very warm and very appreciative. Uh, uh, This didn't happen suddenly in the city of Pittsburgh. We've been building relationships with uh, the local communities since uh, 2001. Uh, At that time, a lot of communities came out to help us uh, when uh, the terrorist attacks took place and uh, we were marginalized by politicians and others. So we have been sharing our uh, prayer spaces, we have been sharing our holidays, we've been sharing our foods and going into dialogue sessions with uh, the Jewish community. The credit on your account is low. Oh, okay. Even at the 2016 election, they were very, uh, very supportive of us. Amazing. There so you the go. The reciprocity was very easy for the Muslim community. Yeah, that's absolutely amazing. Um, um, that's amazing. Uh, you didn't hear this, but we, we heard a strange vo- sound come out of the, the phone line there um, as you were speaking. Um, t- tell me one more thing, um, if you can, which is how much money have you raised so far? Is it, is it over $200,000 now? on your account is low. We have uh, collectively between uh, Celebrate Mercy and uh, uh, Empower... Um, the credit on your account is low. All right, there's, there's clearly, there is clearly a technical issue with the phone line right now. Um, Inspire FM needs to top up their credit listeners. <laughs> what a horrible situation. Safdar Saab, I, I got some of what you just said, but it looks like the, um, the phone provider we use to make long-distance phone calls um, is low on credit. Um, we're going to be topping up that credit very, very shortly. Uh, Inspire FM Group, can you put in 50 quid, please? Uh, I want to speak to Seftar Saab again and find out what that 
balance it. Let me try again one more time. So for sub, can you hear me? I'll visit BB. All right, now we've we've lost them. We're going to top up the credit, um, and we'll try again and see if we can get that final total. But listeners, this is Friday Night Live, um, and remember, this is a live program. Hiccups can happen, and hopefully they won't happen in the next hour because we will be speaking to Ramiz Ibrahim and Dr. Amra Bone about the very important topic of marriage. We'll be right back after these messages. Don't go away. You're listening to an Inspire FM podcast, making available our popular programs from our daily broadcast on Inspire FM. Assalamualaikum, welcome back to part three of tonight's edition of Friday Night Live with me, Abdul Akbar, sitting in for Hafiz Shaban. Uh, this week, it is the 2nd of November 2018, and you are in for an action-packed hour. This is part three of tonight's programme. So far, we've talked about the riots in Pakistan on the back of the blasphemy allegations and situation in Pakistan. Lots of chaos ensuing there. Um, it, the good news, though, the government has struck a deal with the organisation causing the chaos, and hopefully things should settle down there. We've also been talking about the Tariq Ramadan situation uh, on the back of the rape allegations that some women have made against him uh, in France and other places and just now we were very lucky to be talking to Safdar Khwaja who is from the US and part of the Muslim organizations that have raised money for the Jewish victims in the Pittsburgh massacre where 11 people were fatally shot last Saturday. He's actually still on the line and the good news is Seftar Saab, we've topped up our account. Mashallah. Yes, <laughs> Great stuff. So Seftar Saab, um, are, are you, you were saying how much you, what the, what the current running total is. What is it at the moment? It's uh, two hundred and twenty-seven thousand dollars. Amazing! Wow! Amazing! That's amazing. And that's the Muslim, uh, the Muslim contribution. There is yeah. another uh, Iranian uh, <laughs> gentleman uh, by the name of Sheikh uh, Khatiri. Okay. He started at GoFundMe, and he has exceeded one million dollars. No way! One million! Oh, My no. goodness! Muslim, yeah. Wow! That's uh, amazing. A Muslim. And, but this is contributions from the larger, uh, uh, the USA. The wider community. Got it, got it. Well, um, let me just say this, Seftar Saab. You are setting the tone in terms of inter-community relations and really giving an amazing example to those listening in terms of how we should be with other faith groups and other faith community members. I know in Luton here, um, we're very active as well. We don't have a very large Jewish community, but we do have a Christian community, and there's a lot of activity in this community yeah, as well. But I, I think the important th- thing to also say about this case is yes. that this... this uh, Increasing hate, mm. right? although it's primarily directed at Muslims recently, but it shows that no community is safe because hate is a disease, is a disease of the heart, yeah. and it doesn't discriminate. Yeah. It just looks at difference, whatever the difference is, yeah. and, and it acts on that. And I think it's disgusting what happened, yeah. and I think it's really, really good that what's, what's been done in terms of support and, and uh, you know, um, you know, moral support and and, and financial support for the, this it, community. It is amazing. Sefer yeah. Saab, thank you so much for joining us on tonight's program. Thank you so much, sir. <coughs> Can I add something for 30 seconds? Yes, yeah. sir. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, tonight and tomorrow we are, this is a cedar on a Friday night. And so the Shabbat starts uh, Friday night with dinner. So a large number of Muslim volunteers are going and they'll be standing guard at the synagogues and the temples as well as for tomorrow morning all the way to noontime. 
Wow. That would be a grand gesture of uh, solidarity and support. Amazing. So people can feel totally comfortable in their houses of worship and Muslims are setting the standard in this city. Muslims standing so guard. You should come and study this place. Yeah. This is a great place. Wow, what a headline. Muslims standing guard whilst um, our... Uh, Jewish community members are praying. That's amazing. There you go. What a story there um, in itself. Jazakallah khair for that. Saftar uh, Khwaja from the US, live from the US in Pittsburgh, who is part of the Muslim community. They've raised around $225,000. That's their running total at the moment. Uh, amazing story. Um, I bet you this brother saying, I bet you this brother saying right now, um, this, this is amazing. Uh, There's probably some brothers listening right now saying, you should charge them some jizya. <laughs> what are you saying, man? <laughs> but you know, this is amazing. Um, if there was Muslim rule, you know, um, people are protected. Like all faith groups are protected uh, under Muslim rule. This is amazing. And these brothers, even though they're not under Muslim rule, they're under Trump rule <laughs> in the US, they're coming out and showing what it's like. This is exactly what Muslims would do um, if there was Muslim rule, um, where there was true Islam being implemented. And unfortunately, there is no country on earth where there's such a thing. But uh, we aspire to that, inshallah ta'ala. Um, amazing topic there. I want to go straight on to our next topic, because wow. We're going to spend the next 55 minutes, inshallah, inshallah, really going through the topic of marriage. And guess what? You've been hearing about marriage throughout the course of the last week. Mashallah, Inspire FM has been putting on some amazing programming around this very important topic. There are events taking place as well. Uh, if you haven't heard, Muslim marriage event taking place on Sunday the 4th of November from 2 o'clock to 6 o'clock um, at the Hilton Garden Inn. You can apply for tickets by calling 01582 481810. That's 01582 481810. I am sure that if you are looking for a spouse, whether you are a brother or sister, um, this will inspire you uh, this evening and we will continue to um, develop um, the conversation as well. So I'm going to start off by really setting the scene here. And um, tonight I am joined by a very esteemed panel, mashallah, of brothers and sister, because I do think it's very important that we don't just get men telling us how it should be in a marriage, because marriage consists of one man and a woman. And it's very important that we get perspectives from both sides. And I'm very, very pleased to say that um, joining me on the line is Islamic psychotherapist uh, Ramiz Ibrahim. Salaam alaikum, Ramiz. Wa alaikum salam rahmatullah. Nice to hear from you, Ustad. We'll come back to you in a moment. Yeah, long time. Jazakallah um, And we're also going to be um, joined um, in live in the studio by somebody who's no stranger to Inspire FM and to the airwaves of the United Kingdom and definitely to Luton. Mashallah, Sheikh Ahmed from the Islamic Centre. Assalamualaikum, Sheikh. Wa alaikum salam rahmatullah barakatuh. So good to have you as well, Sheikh. Mashallah. And of course, we've got Zafar Saab as well, who brings in um, many decades of marital experience. Experience uh, as well to the equation, mashallah. I think between Ramiz, uh, Zafar Saab, and, and, and Sheikh, uh, we probably have over a hundred years of marriage experience. <laughs> marriage experience, mashallah. I have 40, 40 years. Mashallah, there you go. So that's easily taking us over the hundred year mark, mashallah. And of course, we're going to be later on joined by Dr. Amra Bone. She's the only female trustee on the Sharia Council. <laughs> 
um, which deals with marital issues in, in Birmingham as well. Um, and so for start, try to stay alive whilst we cover this topic as well. I'll try my best. If you can hear coughs in the background, listeners, it's Zafar Saab. He is really struggling um, with his voice, but Jazakallah Khair for joining us as well. So let me set the scene here for a moment, brothers and sisters, because, you know, marriage is a topic we hear about a lot. And we hear about it through lectures. We hear about it through maybe our siblings or friends getting married. We hear about it a lot. And sometimes it's very, very hard to understand what the correct way of approaching marriage is. Now, in some countries, it's a bit easier. But in this country, as Muslims living in a non-Muslim society with all the distractions and influences, the Western factors, if you like, the non-Muslim influences, it can get very confusing, especially if you're a young person who's gone to a primary school, a secondary school in the UK. Um, You've seen the dating scene. Um, Your friends um, have girlfriends. Or if 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 you're a sister, your friends have boyfriends. And it can be very confusing. And there's a lot of fitna, a lot of challenge. And there are certain expectations. And you may have been grown up in a Bollywood household where you've grown up. um, Maybe your parents have been watching Indian films and you see those men and women running through the hills uh, with their arms open and it's all perfect. And the music's playing in the background and it's just amazing. And then they get married and they live happily ever after. There's no issues. There's no challenges. Um, Maybe there's the odd mother-in-law issue here and there in some of these films. But the reality is something quite different. So we've seen the Hollywood example, the Bollywood examples. We see on the streets people posting on Instagram and how great their life is. Um, People like Amir Khan and, you know, his marriage has been going through rocky situations as well. Um, People posting on social media, look how great my life is. And then um, you see this free mixing of brother-in-laws and sister-in-laws you see the free mixing and the un-Islamic practices that are happening around us. And you're like, what's the right way to do this? Because my parents got married in a certain way. My friends are getting married in a different way. But what's the correct way? How should I approach marriage? And that's what I want guidance from, from Sheikh. And that's what I want guidance from, uh, from Ramiz Ibrahim as well, who's a Islamic psychotherapist. Um, so let me start off by going to Sheikh. Sheikh, uh, I'm going to give you kind of in a Q&A format, inshallah. Um, so Sheikh, first of all, you know, there will be brothers and sisters listening right now. And they may not be married, <coughs> but they aspire to be married in the future, sometime soon, inshallah. So Sheikh, tell us from your experience, how should they approach marriage? So if I'm a sister and I want to get married... Or if I'm a brother and I want to get married, how should I be approaching marriage? Bismillah. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillah rabbil alameen. Afdalu salatu wa tamu tislim ala nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. As you said, brother, uh, here in this country it is difficult. It's different from uh, our countries uh, because there there are different ways especially in most of the times you'll find the family arranging most of these things people they might uh, also meet each other in the university or 
at work and all of these things, then they will approach it in the, let, let us say, the, the appropriate uh, way. Mm. Here in this country, <clears throat> it is a little bit difficult because I can see this nearly maybe every week or every two weeks, you'll find someone calling me or talking to me and say, okay, Sheikh, do you know someone I'm, I'm looking? And then they say I'm looking at the beginning, then they start to put the conditions. Mm. And this is what will make the things uh, a little bit difficult. And on the other side, you'll find sisters or parents get, sending you a profile. They say, okay, I, my, my daughter and, or my sister looking for marriage. But mm. again, they put the conditions and all of these things, which is again, make it difficult. Mm. I still believe that the family approach is one of the best, the best ways. Mm. Why I'm saying this? Because the family approach, it starts in a halal way that the mother or the sister will go to the family and see them, talk to them and all, all of these things. <laughs> so the first, the first steps will, will be in, in a halal way. There is, there is no day, uh, dating, there is no uh, communication outside <coughs> the halal way, I can't can say. Then after that, the, the person will go and see the, the sister, and uh, then mm. after that, they maybe talk uh, to each other during, during that time. Mm. Uh, and one of the questions I've, I've been asked on... Uh, on Saturday or no, no, Tuesday, mm -hmm. that what about uh, WhatsApp and all of these things, texting and Facebook, calling and yeah. all of these things. Yeah. And I said, all of these things, we have to be clear in this. Yes. All these things must be under the observation of the mahram, of the wali. That's so important, Sheikh, because <clears throat> um, we are so used to interacting freely, right? Um, that, you know, brothers may be speaking to women who are not related to them, but they may be speaking to them like they are related to them or like they are their sisters, their own blood sisters. Yes. And this is deeply <clears throat> inappropriate. Yeah, we have to understand mm. and to remember that the shaitan, the desires is there. Yeah. So, and maybe uh, you start with a good faith, uh, thinking in a good way and these things. Then the, your desire will start playing with with this. So the the initial approach, which is you think, okay, I'd like just to know and ask and all of these things, will move to another another level. Then maybe will be meetings or mm. and all of these things. And sometimes it ends to haram mm. uh, thing. Then both of them regret, and you'll find that that guy who done all of these things. He will never marry that girl because he will say, look, she she submitted to me and this might happen to, to someone else. So he just basically it, used her. Yeah. If yeah. if she if she cannot protect herself from me, yeah. then she she might offer herself to some to someone else. And this is very important, Sheikh, because and I think the same is true for men and women, which is um, you should have parties on both sides. And Sheikh, I love what you just said, the family approach. Um, because, you know, marriage is a family thing as well. Uh, it's not just a bond between a man and a woman. It's actually a bond between families as well. Because if you have issues or disputes or whatever, the families will get involved. Yes. And, 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 and it's, it's a beautiful thing what you're saying. So what you're saying, Sheikh, just, to, just so I understand and so the listeners understand, you're saying that if a man 
wants to um, speak and court a woman, or if a, if a woman wants to court and speak to a man, sh- they should get families involved, especially the woman who should have her wali, a mahram involved, yes. who can um, at least oversee the process. Yes, correct. Yes. Yeah, and one of the suggestions I, I, uh, I just said, you can, in WhatsApp, you can make a group, mm. and then you can, you can uh, so the group will be these these two, uh, the man and the woman, and her wali, so he can see what, what they are exchanging. Yes. And really my advice to all those brothers who are seeking marriage, look, when you are starting this, you have to remember that you are, Starting a procedure to please Allah. Yes. You are starting a procedure to please Allah. Allah Don't displease Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this procedure. Yeah. Because if you displease Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, how you how you are expecting that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will bless this marriage? Yeah. And you'll find many, not one or two or three, in in Muslim countries, the the percentage of the divorce more than forty percent. And because the people, they are using haram ways mm. to get married, then there is no barakah, no blessings in the marriage, and the marriage will will finish. And because they are not honest even when they are talking. Mm. So you'll find the, uh, the man saying many, many things which is not... Uh, not true, mm. and the girl saying the same thing, not true. When they come to the reality, yeah. she'll find that all this was just ocean of lies. Subhanallah, Sheikh, you're really inspiring this conversation, and I'll come to Ramiz Ibrahim in a moment for his analysis on, on this aspect of the process in a moment. But what also concerns me, Sheikh, especially in some communities, maybe the Pakistani community, maybe the Bangladeshi community, uh, and I come from the Pakistani community, so I, I feel like I can talk about this, which is that they often want to get married within the family. And fine, there's nothing wrong with this, and there's nothing haram with this. But there are challenges where sometimes family members prefer a cousin um, who may not be qualified, who may not be a good, utmost, outstanding Muslim. And what worries me is that these people, these parents, um, are giving their daughters away. If I'm giving, I'm a father of three daughters, alhamdulillah. MashaAllah. When I give my daughters away, I intend to do a full check. I'm going to do a credit check. I'm going to do a reference check. I'm going to do an Islam check. I'm going to eat with him. I'm going to um, spend travel a night, a travel with him. I want to follow the advice of the Prophet ﷺ. I want to do a transaction with him. How yeah. does he handle this? Yes. How can you give your daughters away to somebody without doing these checks? Sorry. Right, Sheikh? Sorry. How can you give away a diamond? without doing these checks these this is your blood this is your flesh how can you give your daughters away to a man whom you haven't even checked out so no. i mean check what i'm hearing is references are very important definitely different right um from from people of high standing as well not just reference from some random guy saying yeah, yeah i heard about this guy he's great but from proper people did this man go to the masajid did he contribute in the community what have you heard about him? What, what, what else have you heard, Sheikh? Sahih. Yeah. That, the, the thing is that the point you mentioned, brother, that about the reference is very important mm. because 
we we don't know everyone in in this community. Mm-hmm. Maybe you know the person next to you or worked with you or all of these things, but there are people who worked with them. Uh, they have uh, experience with them. They can tell you and. Yes, the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, إِذَا أَتَاكُمَ تَرْضَوْنَ دِينَهُ فَزَوْجُهُ And the one who with deen comes, let him marry your daughter. Because this mm. is the main the main thing, that you need someone with a deen. Mm. But the deen with this uh, comprehensive understanding that the deen is a way of life. Mm. Not only the deen that that person is only praying. Despite the fact that the praying is the most essential thing. Absolutely. But praying... And he is practicing his Islam when he's dealing with other other people. Because this is Islam. Absolutely. Yani, Absolutely. You need to establish your relation with your Lord. And you need to establish the relation with the servants of your Lord according to Allah's uh, legislation. If you cannot establish a relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if a man or a woman cannot establish a relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, how are they going to establish a relationship with a woman or a spouse? Yes. It's not possible. It's right? not possible. If you, if you want justice with a spouse, that spouse has to have a relationship with Allah. Let me go to Ramiz Ibrahim. Um, Ramiz, Jazakallah khair for holding on the line of start. Um, and just sticking to the process here at the very beginning, I'm, I'm going to come on to marital issues and challenges later. But uh, Ustad, we've all been there. We've all been in a situation where there are certain desires that are natural to a man and a woman. There are certain yeah. natural desires that we have, right? Yeah. Uh, I'm talking about sexual desires, right? Mm-hmm. And therefore, sometimes it can be very tempting to see a woman or see mm. a man and you like their appearance and that's the overriding factor. Yeah, brother. Um, yeah, I like that sister. She looks great. Um, and therefore, I want to marry her. Or sister thinks, oh, brother looks fit. And therefore, I want to marry him. What's mm-hmm. from your experience? What should what else should people be looking for in a spouse? What's what from your experience? Because you've been through a lot of counseling sessions, bro. So I would love your um, take. The thing is, Alhamdulillah, Sheikh, Sheikh Ahmed is speaking uh, quite eloquently in regards to it. And I agree with everything there. And who, who can't agree with what the Sheikh saying? Absolutely. And secondly, what you're saying about regarding, you know, you have three da- daughters. Allah, 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 You know, I'm going to say I have two daughters, Alhamdulillah. And I've already said no, who's going to marry my daughters? They've got to kick my daughter. They're going to spend six months with me. Allahu They've got to be a man. I don't, I don't, sh- I don't shake in my fingers. You shake my hand. Mm. You know, at the end, you know, there's, there's a lot. And, and just because someone's praying has got to be as a thobe, does not instigate a, a reference point. Even to me. He's a Muslim, alhamdulillah. But these are, like I said, marrying cousins, etc. And fancying them. And, he's lo- and they, they grew up together. They like each other. Alhamdulillah. But the, under, the, the, the underlying factor is that Initially, yes, you look at each other and say, that Allah may put some love between you, some chemistry, some sexual attraction, whatever. And you have to have some sexual attra- attraction. Mm. We can't be t- taboo about these things. Of course you have to. Mm. And, 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 but, the, but the main point is deen. And the Prophet said, you marry a woman for four things. You know that already. And mm. that's, the, that's the beauty and lineage and, and wealth and, and deen. And whoever marries for deen is successful. So, as regards to respectful Sheikh is, is speaking, uh, uh, what he was said earlier, this is generally speaking, of course, you know, you have the Rishta, you have the Wali, you have the meeting, the families get involved, because you're marrying family, and you're, not marrying just, you're not marrying a person, you're marrying 
his lineage, you're marrying the whole structure. Mm. But we're we forgetting that we're living in 2018 and 2017, 16, 15, 13, since I've been in Dean since 1997, alhamdulillah. And there's a lot of reverts. And they have no one. So in one, uh, one point, just digress, we need some kind of community structure whereby reverts can seem like family and have other um, you know, Muslims in the community that can help mm. and be family for them. They may not be mahram, but they can be some kind of family, some kind of, some kind of structure there, because mm-hmm. they've got no one. How are they going to find someone? And I know it's, there's no excuse for using WhatsApp. And of course there's no excuse for it. Yeah. But, however, the reality is there are people out there, many, many, many reverts now, especially nowadays, who need help for marriage, and they don't know the process, and they get somebody to talk to them, and they like each other, and they find a waliti for the nikah, mm. and it's done. Mm. And I've done, I've done many nikahs like this. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it seems like the deen has become a cliche. We're speaking about the things that need to be done, that's supposed to be done, that has to be done, but it's not being done. And the other point is that um, we're living in a society whereby the the dahir, you know, the outside apparency, the beauty, the the the, 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 the physical is more apparent, and sisters are and sisters are being. Um, Influenced by feminism, influenced by magazine, influenced by TV, influenced by Bollywood, and they think that as they grow up, you know, in, in my in my in my line of work, in when a person comes in their thirties, between thirty thirty five, that's where their brainwashing comes into play. I don't know why it does, but it does in my experience. Mm-hmm. So if they marry from like twenty five to thirty, everything's fine. Thirty fourth, it's like saying when they become a teenager, thirteen, all hell breaks loose in the house because teenagers go crazy for some reason. Yeah, yeah. Um, start. Just hold the line there for a moment because. Uh we need to take a very short break, but listeners, we're having an amazing conversation on marriage. Very down-to-earth conversation from Sheikh Ahmed and Ustad Ramiz Ibrahim. After the break, we're going to be going and we're going to be um, heating things up a bit because I want to go on to the topic of brothers that abuse the process of marriage. And as Ustad and Sheikh have mentioned, you're not just marrying another person. You're marrying into a family. There are responsibilities that you have. You can't just think with your private parts. You need to understand that there is something bigger at stake here. We'll be right back for more after these messages. Don't go away, brothers and sisters. No father can give his children a better gift than good manners. Reported by Tirmidhi. Asalaamu Alaikum, welcome back to part 4 of tonight's edition of Friday Night Live with me, Abdul Akbar, sitting in for Hafiz Shaban. Yes, we're beaming out to the good people of Luton and surrounding areas tonight. And we're also beaming out to the good people of Sheffield, Nottingham, Derby and Peterborough through our partner stations across the nation. Alhamdulillah, we're having a great conversation on marriage and some of the practical aspects of seeking a spouse. I want to go straight back to that topic and of course... Joining me in the studio for this very important topic, it is our resident Sheikh, Sheikh Ahmed from Islamic Center here in Luton. And also on the line, we've got Islamic psychotherapist Ustad Ramiz Ibrahim sharing his insights as well. So um, Ustad and, and Sheikh, what I want to do now is I, I want to go on to um, uh, f- further down the line. And I, I really want to dive deeper into the roles and responsibilities of the marriage as well. Um, and let me start off with Sheikh, because Sheikh, um, a lot of the time, and I mentioned this before we went for the break, but a lot of the time, uh, the brother and the sister 
are often thinking not just about the bigger picture. They're only thinking about the small aspect of this individual that I'm marrying. And you touched on it, uh, Ustar touched on it as well, which is you're not just marrying each other, but you're also making commitments here to each other. Certain rights and responsibilities that you will have with each other. And Sheikh, what's your experience when marriages don't work out? What's been your experience about things that um, people are, are not prepared for? And how do you best prepare for these things, inshallah? Alhamdulillah, uh, one of the main problems is both of them, the husband and wife, they don't understand what are the duties and the responsibilities. Uh, and the leadership. So the wife, she likes to lead. And the man, he thinks, no, I am I am the leader of this family. I need I need to lead. Then there will be a conflict. I am the shepherd of the flock, according yes. to the hadith. <laughs> yes. And then <clears throat> there will be a dispute. And mm. for everything, there will be a dispute. Mm. His opinion, her opinion. They don't reach common grounds of uh, compromise on all of these things. Mm. And then you'll hear this. Uh, words that oh he he'd like to control me mm. or she likes to control me and this is not this is not the life mm. this is not the marriage life the marriage life is not controlling yes even when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned that in the Quran that that they have the authority he said two things Definitely Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave the man something different from the moon. And and he is spending. Uh, this is gave him this. But this doesn't mean at all that the woman in the house, she has <coughs> no role at all. The only thing she is there for cooking and cleaning and all of these mm. things. We'll find the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He used to ask them, to consult them, to, to do everything normal with them mm. and this is something the brothers need to understand that when we say ta'a obedience it is not open uh, that there is no limits on this mm. you have to understand that with this wife you need to understand to compromise sometimes you consider yourself you are you didn't hear any anything because the general rules in islam applies here mm. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asks you to forgive. Mm. If, if you are supposed to forgive the other people, why you don't apply this to your wife mm. or to, to your husband? Yeah. And when I hear some stories, mm. because alhamdulillah, I, I'm trying all, all my best to help brothers and sisters Shana. to share their, their problems. When I hear the stories, I find the trivial things. It, it's not important. Mm. They can sort it between themselves. But it reached a point. So one of the main things, as I mentioned, is they don't understand uh, the duties. And this is uh, not who is controlling. Yeah, We need to work as partners. Partners mean that both of them has to contribute. Both of them has... To lead, both of them has to un understand each other. And what's the problem if I find myself, I say, okay, I leave my opinion for for you yeah. as a husband yeah, or yeah. for a wife. What's the problem with that? Sheikh, you're reminding me of my own marriage. So when I got married, and I'm going to be honest here to the listeners, I was very controlling. 
Sheikh, I was very controlling. So I got married when I was 24. And um, I, I, I knew my rights and responsibilities and my wife knew her rights and responsibilities. But I'll be honest, I loved the, as a man, I loved the control part. And when I saw that this was not resulting in a good relationship, sure, my wife was obedient. She, she was, she was uh, doing everything that was halal that I was asking her to do, uh, cooking, cleaning, like, the, you know, the agreement that we had, um, the expectations that, that we had set for each other. So when I got married, I'm not saying I have the model marriage. No, I don't think any marriage is perfect. Um, everyone has challenges. That's true. Um, but I asked my wife questions and said, this is my expectation of, a, of, of my wife. She asked me questions. Here's mm. what I expect from you. And I was like, okay, mashallah. And I'll be honest, I, I wasn't expecting those questions from her. But she mm. asked me. And this is the right thing to do. But then when we got married... I was very controlling. I was saying, no, you can't go here, you can't do this, and even you can't visit your parents sometimes. And this was wrong. Absolutely. This was wrong. And I got to know my wife even more. Our love grew for each other as we learnt about each other. And alhamdulillah, um, I, I agree, Sheikh. It's about maturity. It's about growing up. It's mm. about saying, actually, if my wife follows the Hanafi madhab, I don't need her to be a Hanbali in order for us to be husband and wife. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> you know, she, I mean, for me, I put my hands on the chest. No. Uh, she, she and her father, the, the Hanafis, they put them here on the belly, okay. uh, above the navel. And, and I had issues with this because I was controlling. <laughs> but when you grow, you learn, actually, there is a bigger world. Yes. And we have this flexibility. And this is what brothers and sisters need to understand, that you have to compromise, you have to ask each other, uh, understand the expectations from each other. I want to go on, Jazakallah Khair, Sheikh. Let me go on to Dr. Amrabon. I'll come back to um, Dr. Ramiz, uh, Star Ramiz as well. Uh, Dr. Amrabon, who is um, on a Sharia Council in Birmingham. Salaam alaikum, Dr. Bone. Wa alaikum khair for joining us, uh, my dear sister. Um, very important for us to hear from our sisters because marriage includes a man and a woman, alhamdulillah, uh, in Islam. And therefore, Dr. Bowen, from your experience um, and, and from a, a Muslimah's experience and perspective, what should Muslim women be asking men? Like when they are considering a spouse, from the problems you've seen in the Sharia Council in which you serve, what are the right questions or what, what's your guidance for women who are looking for husbands? What kind of questions should they ask um, up front? Um, I, I, I just think that um, a lot of um, young women, they, they, they think that... It's a bit low, Dr. Burns. Sorry to interrupt you. A bit louder, please, inshallah. Jazakallah khair. Okay. Just one second. I'll, uh... Yeah, can you hear me that, now? That's amazing. Thank you. Yeah. Yes, I think a lot of women, um, when they um, they want a practicing brother, um, they want a, um, a brother who's who's a good Muslim, who's cooperative, who's, and when they see someone who is practicing, praying, fasting, and so on and so forth, so they think that he's going to be the right person. Now, because we have. Um, large um, variety in the sense uh, Muslims from different backgrounds, uh, different schools of thought, and nobody seems to query it uh, as much as they ought to. What do they understand by certain things when um, 
a woman is asking for a cooperative husband, he 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 says he will be cooperative. But um, when it comes to um, after marriage, he doesn't want her to do this or that. As you're saying, is quite controlling, in in the sense that he's not. Um, he's saying, "Oh, this is my duty. That's your role," and so on and so forth. It causes problems. Um, I think what we should be looking at is, is um, like in the Quran, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says, "Oliya which means that we are um, protectors and, and friends of each other. Um, and as a human being, first and foremost, um, we, we should be looking at the character of the person, a human being who cares for another human being, who doesn't want to hurt their feelings. Um, and who's the best of character, and that's what the Prophet said, I've come to protect human character. And if we don't look at the character, we're just asking questions about, you know, praying and fasting, alhamdulillah, that is good. We, you know, as Muslims, we should be doing that. But how does that reflect upon our characters? And that's a really, really important question. And it doesn't have to be our straight or what's your character like. You, you have to Awesome. Speak to them, and and it's through our discussion we we sort of analyze what the person's character is like. That's a really good point. And yeah, really good point. I mean, and Doctor Pan, I think what, you know what I'm hearing from you is you need to kind of pre-qualify certain things um, mm-hmm. before you actually tie the knot, so to speak. Like uh, you know, yes. ask yeah. ask the potential spouse, for example, will you be comfortable with me working? Um, yeah, and, and, and if you're comfortable with me working, then will you be comfortable with me working around other men, for example, because the spouse mm-hmm. might not want that or may mm-hmm. may have certain yeah. um, perspectives about that or um, mm-hmm. how um, will you be helping with the housework <laughs> is a good yeah. question, yeah. you know, and these are very th- obvious things. But I think a lot of men, a lot of brothers and mm-hmm. unfortunately, a lot of practicing brothers um, mm. actually abuse this where they 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 get married um they spend maybe a week two maybe a couple of months with the woman and and same for women as well and then they are very quick to hit the big red button the divorce button mm. and yeah. i think the yeah. reason they do this is because they have a healthy disregard for pre-qualification and they mm. also have a healthy disregard for understanding that the lark is one of the worst things that you can do and you yeah. should avoid it at all costs and you know one um, of those things can is, i come to this yeah, yeah i just want to come in here i i my experience is the opposite actually it's mm-hmm. not the brothers giving to lark mm-hmm. they're not taking their responsibilities seriously mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we have a lot of women where men have abandoned them they come and go when they feel like it and mm-hmm. um, uh, many of these marriages are um arranged marriages where by the husband, he, he he comes to the house and he feels like it. Then he disappears for a few months. And uh, the the women that I see on a regular basis, they don't know what's going on. They they are doing working. A majority of the women that I see actually in the Shreya Council are actually working. They're mm-hmm. full-time workers. Mm-hmm. They're looking after the children, picking the children up, dropping them, having difficulty because they're working full-time as well. And the husband is not taking his responsibilities seriously. So in the end, they come to us and they say, I'm doing everything anyway. Why, why, why do I need him? Mm. Um, and he hasn't given her to love. Um, he, he's just gone and he comes and he feels like it. And, and there's too many cases that I'm seeing where men are 
irresponsible. And um, and then they, when it comes to, um, uh, they approach the Shia Council. Initially, they ignore the letters. Um, majority, many of them. Oh, the men. Um, the men, yes, because mm. the at least if a man contacts the the council, mm. then um, the, another two letters aren't written out. But uh, normally, the three letters that go out to the man, and many of them just ignore it. Mm. And then when it comes to the council, actually, when we have to make the final decision, they actually suddenly turn up, and then they they are saying, "Oh, we don't want a divorce. We we don't want this." And and they really, you know, I, I love my wife, and my the wife says, "No, I he's not there. He's not doing what he, you know, he, he's not helping. He's, he's not following his responsibilities," part. as the sheikh was saying. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And, and and then he. He's saying, and then we, when we have to, we we don't. Well, we can um, uh, witness a talaq even at the council, or or there is a, can be a khula, which obviously he has to. Mm. They negotiate with each other, but we become um, witnesses to that. But the, it's the, the the third method of um, uh, divorce, which is the tafriq. Yeah. Now, in tafriq, what we say to them, to the men that that really begging us at the last moment, we say to them, look, we're going to speak to her and we're going to give her every chance and and tell her or at least advise her to try and reconsider what you've said and so forth. And yeah. she, she, she often says, I've given him far too many chances. I wouldn't be here um, otherwise. And um, now I'm more than 100% sure that I just want to finish with him. And um, and then we say to them, look, for ex-husband, there is no inter period. You can have another nikah tomorrow or day after. Maybe if you cool things down a bit, maybe that If there's children involved as well, that can be another challenge yeah. as well, right? That's, and in many cases, already going through courts uh, mm. for the children. But, but unfortunately, I think we really have to, uh, I don't know, do something to teach our um, our men to be a bit more responsible. Right, Dr. Bowen, uh, can you, could you hold on there for a second because I want to go on to Islamic psychotherapist um, Ustad Ramiz Ibrahim on that precise point, which is Ustad, um, you, you've heard what Dr. Bowen has been saying, you've heard what um, Sheikh Ahmed has been saying. What's wrong with these brothers? Why can't they understand their responsibilities? Why are they abusing um, their rights that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Uh, and, and this benefit, you know, Allah has given them a wife, Allah may have given them children. What's wrong with the mentality? What's happening in the psyche of the man where he's coming in and out as he chooses? He's not communicating with his wife. She's wondering where the heck he is. He's not helping out in, in the house. What's wrong with these brothers and how can we fix that? Well, I mean, hearing uh, the doctor, I, mean, I had to shift my position when I'm sitting because I was going to be angry what sister was saying in, in a good way. Mm. I, I agree completely with what she's saying. Mm. And I think the sister didn't want to step further and say that there are brothers out there. And the thing is, I deal with families counselling whose fathers are not always at home. You know why? They're, they're out there doing 40 days feast of Allah, you know, four or five times a year. The kids don't get their, you know, their, their nurturing through love of the father. Well, the daughters don't get the nurturing through, through through the love of the father, and they end up, you know, falling in love and going this and doing and, and, and all, and all sorts of things. Now, coming back to what you're asking me regarding what's wrong with these brothers, Allah alam. The thing is, I think that the the generations the generations are being bred into being boys. With all due respect, you know, the the Asian culture, especially because I know it very well. I'm Turkish myself, as you know, but I know it very very well since the age of ten. 
before Dean and, 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 and now in Dean, that Pakistani boys, with all due respect to yourself, but I know you very, no, very no, well. No, 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 I understand, I understand. They are so weak-minded. They're, they're very, they're very, they've been mothered too much. None of them can even make a slice of toast. Mm. So, and, and, and it's ridiculous to think that there's no responsibility. They don't cook or clean or help out in the house or iron or wash or whatever. Mm. You know, in my culture, the men do a lot. You know, I'm not saying just generally speaking, me specific, specifically, I'll do everything in the house. I don't mind. I love it. I love domestic work. Mm. And the thing is, with it, they've been bred, oh, mom, mom does this. Why can't you do it? And as soon as this kind of rhetoric hits, hits the communication, exactly. um, hits communication between husband and wife, that's the problem. Mm. She said, oh, you're comparing me to your mom. Comparing me to your mom. And that's what, that's what Asian boys do. Yeah, and I call them boys because that's many of them. That's what they are. I don't care what age they are. Mm. You know, and you know, in, in the Turkish culture, the Arab culture, the African culture is different. But the Asian culture seems to be, you know, really monocoddling and 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 you know, the, the mother does everything for them. Subhanallah. And then when they when they get married, they think they they've married. That it's, it's just it's just another mother. They want a continuation of that motherhood, they whereas in fact they are the fuck and, the man. And, yeah. And that's where it comes in. You know, yeah. it's like look. For, I was telling a brother brother the other day about Ramadan. Subhanallah. What gives anyone the notion mm. that it's okay for the men to, 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 to worship Aswan Tala bit, a bit more, inshallah, in Ramadan, and the women are just staying at home cooking for them? Where, where does that come from? Mm. Where, where, you know, and sometimes uh, the, the men want different food every day and cooking every day. What is it? Ramadan is, hasn't been reduced to recipes, is it? Subhanallah. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> I, so what happens is here that you have to, you know, g- give the woman a chance. You know, you take care of the kids. Ramiz, uh, uh, start, let me bring in Dr. Bon. Dr. Bon, what were you saying there? Yeah. Yeah, I was just going, I was going to say that um, at least three um, uh, Sunni schools of thought out of four say that uh, a woman has no responsibility to cook and clean. If she does, she does it out of the generosity of her own heart. So men have to be very thankful if they choose to do it. Um, so the, the the point being that it's it, they have to help each other. Mm. Um, if uh, you know, if a, a man's going out to work. Uh, um, and uh, a woman's got children at home all day. Mm. Then, uh, you know, my husband used to come home and, you know, after working when I had young children, and my husband say, um, uh, "Darling, I'm making up a tea. Would you like one?" Mm. And um, people uh, sometimes are surprised. I said, "No, that's what it should be like," because he he doesn't see as if I've been sitting home all day. He knows that I've been working and helping and looking after the children, and so he recognizes that. And uh, so I, I think it's, it's from, uh, from the council experience that I have, it's in fact more than just housework or anything. It's, it's, not, it's not just that. It's, uh, they, they're not um, earning enough. Uh, the, um, the, if, if the wife isn't working or the children are young, they, they're getting money, mm. they're getting benefits. So he feels she's getting money already. Yeah, that's a really so low bar. Not, that's a really low bar. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I, I come across a lot of cases where men are oh, um, God. taking drugs. Oh, God. They're, they're drinking alcohol. Dr. Bowen, Dr. Bowen, sorry to interrupt you. Dr. Bowen, we're running out of time. We've only got a few minutes left, and I really want to come back to Sheikh Ahmed for the final words. Um, but quickly, Ustad Ramiz, um, yeah. I think you've struck a chord, and I'm sure there are brothers who are married. Forget about unmarried brothers who are looking or seeking spouses. There's probably brothers who are married listening to this and saying, you know what? That sounds a bit like me. Um, yeah. And there might be sisters hearing this saying, you know what? 
that sounds a bit like my husband. <laughs> so what I don't want is an epidemic of um, arguments and fights ensuing after this program because um, there's a lot of room for improvement in everyone's life and everyone's marriage. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's really important that we understand the rights and responsibilities of each other. But if there are brothers or sisters feeling that, you know, there is room for improvement, what's the right way of doing that? What, what's the best way of doing that? Is it communication? Is it speaking to each other and not ignoring each other? You, to be honest with you, it starts with first self-development of oneself. Mm. Through the Quran and Sunnah, through a general understanding of each other. I'm dealing with a lot of brothers with anger management issues. You know, and, and sister quite rightly said, Dr. Rightly said, you know, alcohol, drugs. You know, I deal with that all the time. And there's no judgment here. But everyone needs help. And to be honest with you, if you really want to be really, really honest with that, brother, you know, mm. 20 years in my deen, alhamdulillah, and I can't find one masjid that can use the money that the community give wisely mm. to have some community, some social workers, Islamic social workers, Islamic counselors, Islamic whatever, mm -hmm. in the social community to help the local community in these kind of things. Mm. The Muslims are running to the kuffar. Mm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, self-development, yeah, communication can... skills, you know, it's important. Mm -hmm. I, I, we're running out of time. And Dr. Bone, I, 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 we, we've run out of time, unfortunately. Um, but let me go ahead. And, and, and Dr. Bone, I'll give you another 30 seconds, inshallah. Go ahead, Dr. Bone. Right. Yes, I, just, I think we have to raise the bar when it comes to human character. Mm. The teachings of Islam, we have to do self-development, as the brother said. It really is important. We, we have that connection with Allah, and we are better people. Mm. That's what I see sometimes our Muslims are lacking. They're not better human beings. They need to think of the other, not hurting their feelings. What did the Prophet yeah. say yeah. Taking care of hurting someone's feeling, that's more than my duties, your duties, this and that. It's about our our inner selves and when we improve that and I think we need to give a lot of teachings in our mosques, in our centres, mm. everywhere. Extremely well said. Well, Dr. Bone and Ramiz Ibrahim, Jazakallah Khair for joining us on this very important topic. But Sheikh Ahmed, you've been waiting patiently. Sheikh Ahmed, from everything we've talked about so far, just to summarise in one minute, inshallah. What's your nasiya? If I'm looking for a spouse, what's your final nasiya on this program tonight, inshallah? Bismillah. Uh, I think we for, if we follow the Prophet وسلم, in this regard, we'll, we'll be fine. Mm. That look for the person who has deen from both sides. And as I said, the deen with the comprehensive understanding. When you are married, you need to establish the Islam in your, in your life. You need to communicate very important. This is one of the problems that uh, they ha <clears throat> the couples have these days. They don't communicate because of the phones. Mm. Uh, you need to appreciate. So everyone appreciate the other person. Not considering that this is your duty and you, you have to do this. Mm. And also you need to be all the time applying justice. So and fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when you look at all the ayahs in Surah Al-Baqarah and Surah Al-Talaq and Surah Al-Nisa, which talks about marriage and divorce and these things, you'll find that in the ayah, وَتَّقُوا اللَّهِ تَقُوا اللَّهِ Because the laws are there, but if you don't fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you can play with, the, with these laws. And mm. as many uh, people, they say, I don't want to give you divorce, despite he doesn't do any right, exactly. uh, any duty. He doesn't give do any that. any mm. right. Mm. And he say, no, I don't want to give uh, divorce. Mm. Okay, what are you doing? Yeah. So, taqwa Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, is very, very important mm. uh, here. 
I know we are running <laughs> of time. Yeah. And I pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to help all the brothers and sisters to in their life who are married Ameen. and those who are seeking marriage. I mean, Jazakallah khair for that, Sheikh. MashaAllah, what an amazing conversation. You can listen back to it on inspirefm.org, clicking on the Friday Night Light program link. There is a marriage program happening organized by Inspire FM on Sunday, the 4th of November between 2 and 6 p.m. Uh, you can give us a call on 01582-481-810. That's 01582-481-810 if you want to take part in that Muslim marriage event. It is under um, Islamic guidelines there and there'll be um, a good introduction for, for all parties. Listeners, this has been Friday Night Live. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless you all in your marriages. Um, and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless the community as well and continue to bless the community. Until next time, Asalaamu Alaikum. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Why not tune in to our live stream at inspirefm.org and follow and subscribe to our social media platforms at inspirefmluton.org.